We are the end of a millennium. We are a decade of decadence. We are the 90s. episode of we in the 90s a report style podcast based on 90s themes each week one of us will report a topic influential to us from the 90s real quick before i even reveal what the topic is how'd you guys do on the hints i nailed it you nailed it right away i don't know because you won't answer any of my questions co-hosts listeners today's theme is wrestling in the 90s more specifically an era known as the monday night wars Monday Night Wars. So this is an era from, it's an 83-week period from September 4th of 95 through March 26, 2001, covering basically the end of the 90s. So obviously you guys know I'm a huge wrestling fan and the fact that uh, I gave you guys a lot of clues and things that were in this room. So for the most part, you guys are like, yeah, wrestling. However, what's specifically about wrestling? So there's a few things I want to cover. One, and maybe we're just going to pop the argument lit off right now about Ooh, how, it. how competition is actually good for certain things. Pop it. Right. Two, how wrestling in a way mirrored society or society mirrored wrestling. It's kind of hard to tell which one was which because they kind of went hand in hand. So I'll give you guys my report. So what we're going to talk about today are facts, numbers. And my opinions on things. And I would very much like to hear your guys' opinions on these things. So right off immediately, back in the day, throughout, I want to say, 40s, 50s, wrestling itself, the wrestling that you guys know, uh, was considered more of like a like carnival thing, like a traveling circus type, okay. type deal. Yeah. It was very like hokey, very, you know, like... You understood, like, this is the good guy, this is the bad guy, we hate this guy, we want this good guy to win, so the bad guy would do things like, you know, kind of like the clown sitting there, enticing you to hit the target with a ball. Are you, you referring know? to the boot and the heel? The boot. <laughs> what was the first one again? Face. The face and the heel. Got <laughs> so it. There, there are certain insider terms, because they couldn't just say, I'm a bad guy. You and I, let's say we're wrestlers, right? And we're traveling, so we would get to a town, and you feel like you have more fans in this particular town than I do. You couldn't just come to me in front of all these people and say, hey, I'm going to be the good guy tonight. You're going to be the bad guy. Mm -hmm. So what they referred to as the good guy was the baby face. The bad guy was the heel. So if you wanted to be the good guy, you would come up to me and say, hey, tonight I'm working baby. That means like, okay, you're going to be the good guy. I'll be the bad guy. So again, little insider terms, but... That's not really what we're here to get into. 1988, Jim Crockett Promotions. Now, I know Joe and I, you and I were like, what, one years old? Thomas, you were just born, <laughs> basically, in, in 1988. But in 88 is when a thriving company at the time, Jim Crockett Promotions, who was big in, in the south, like the Atlanta area, had to sell his company to TV mogulus known as Ted Turner. 
the Ted Turner. So Ted Turner at the time uh, was the man when it came to television. Nobody was doing the things that he was doing at the time when it came to syndication. I mean, the Yankees with the Nest, the Yes Network now, I mean, the hell with that. This guy had his own channel for, like, his team and stuff. So uh, the Turner Network had TNT, TBS, CNN. He invested, he purchased NWA, the Jim Crockett promotion. So before what it was, was uh, wrestling was very territorial. Us in Florida, we had like Florida Championship Wrestling and, and places like that. And what they did was, you know, you had a promotion of like, you know, 15 to 20 guys, whatever. But there was the NWA, which was known as the National Wrestling Alliance. So it was just like a group of bookers that would get together and literally vote on who their champion was going to be. That champion would then tour across all the different promotions, go in and fight their local talent. The most famous of touring champions was this guy you guys might have heard of named Ric Flair. The most well-known, the best-looking, the best-dressed. Custom-made clothes. Gold around my neck, Rolex watch around my wrist. And I got a limousine sitting out there a mile long with 25 women just dying for me to go. Woo! Yeah, that's right. Nature Boy. In the mid-80s, Vince McMahon Jr., who is the Vince McMahon that you guys know today, purchased... The, the World Wrestling Federation from his father, Mr. McMahon Sr., mm-hmm. and had this this grand idea of buying out all these territories. Like, why have individual syndications everywhere when I could just be one global, you know, dominating thing? And he slowly pushed everybody out, ran everybody out of business, him with uh, this guy named Hulk Hogan. Well, let me tell you something, brother. Oh, really? Oh, Hulk yeah. Hogan was involved at he, that type of level? Hulk Hogan wrestled for Vince Sr. in right. the, at the time, WWF. He had gotten into an argument with Vince Sr. because he wanted to leave to go do this movie named Rocky Three, where he was going to star mm-hmm. in. Vince McMahon at the time didn't want that. You know, he, he wanted his wrestlers to be wrestlers. Uh, he didn't see the, the big picture on how if this guy goes and gets more popular when he comes back to wrestling it's like he'll pull in another audience that maybe weren't wrestling fans but know him from movies so he kind of saw what the writing on the wall was even before vince mcmahon senior did so uh he left he did that and he was just kind of acting and it was around this time where vince mcmahon jr took over reached out to hulk hogan brought him in and basically said like hey you're the most marketable guy people know you Uh, You obviously have a great look to you. We want to build our company around you. No coincidence that his his nickname was uh, Hulkamania. Mm -hmm. And they they named their big starship flag show WrestleMania. So it was was all centered around Hulk Hogan and and business was good. (laughs) 80s going into the 90s. I mean, Hulkamania was running wild, as they say. So fast forwarding to 88, Ted Turner purchases Jim Crockett Promotions, rebrands it. And it's now called WCW, otherwise known as World Championship Wrestling. WCW. Right. Woman Crush Wednesday. (laughs) Yeah, so that's that's the hashtag now. So imagine me, whenever I see that, I'm like, ah, you fucking assholes. No, we're hashtagging that on all the Instagram shit for this. We're going to (laughs) get both of them. Women Crushes and Wrestling. What what did it stand for? Wrestling. World Championship Wrestling. Wrestling. Yeah, so fast forwarding to the early 90s. About 92, I believe. A young um, announcer is basically given the book because WCW struggled for a long time. His name was Eric Bischoff. He was familiar with wrestling, but he he didn't come from a wrestling background. He came from a TV background. 
So his thing was entertainment. Like, sure, like, you can have wrestling matches and stuff like that. But, like, if you're going to make a show, you got to have, like, storylines and stuff, you know, to hook an audience versus just, you know, a middle-aged man drinking a beer interested in just watching somebody fight. Which know? is 90% of the fan Most wrestling family. fans, yeah. Exactly. Uh, I don't drink beer. So, anyways. <laughs> Going into um, business, like I said, he started to do things that were unprecedented at that time and in this particular industry. So with Ted Turner's backing and obviously all the money that came with him, he was able to sign contracts, give guys guaranteed deals uh, that they weren't getting in the WWF at the time. Two guys very specifically. So, well, one of the things he did was uh, Hulk Hogan had pretty much run its course in the WWF. Hulkamania, for the most part, was getting kind of flat. He wanted to step away and just focus on making movies. I think he was making a show called Thunder in Paradise at the time. I don't know if you guys remember that. I don't. The only thing I remember him in was like Mr. The... Nanny. and like, He, he oh, made a bunch of that. just crappy movies. I mean, he made one of my favorite Christmas movies of all time. Yeah, so he was like Santa was Claus, or Santa some with shit. muscles or something. Yeah, some, yeah. yeah, something weird. Yeah, he was the Vin Diesel of the. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Except face. more, more range. <laughs> more range and more muscles, brother. Ooh. So, anyways, uh, Eric Bischoff, through the help of Ric Flair, because every, Ric Flair knew everybody in wrestling, uh, they went and visited Hulk Hogan in his house here in Miami, Florida, and somehow convinced him to strike a deal with World Championship Wrestling. And I'll never forget, because I remember watching this, um, they rented like a red uh, Dodge Viper with like the yellow racing stripes, because it was Hulk Hogan, actually, that his colors were red and yellow. They had him like sitting on the Vipers, they're driving it slow through some parade at Disney World, and yeah, it was crazy. It was like a huge deal, Hulk Hogan signs with World Championship Wrestling. And really what it did at the time was it gave it some legitimacy, because at the time, you know, WCW was just, nobody cares, nobody's watching that. But like, you know, you, the audience, you know who Hulk Hogan is. You're conditioned that Hulk Hogan is, is a is a big name, a good wrestler. Now Hulk Hogan is wrestling in WCW. It's like, oh shit, let me go check this out. Mm. So shortly after that, guys like the Macho Man, Randy Savage came over. So a lot of like former, older wrestlers from the WWF that Vince McMahon thought don't have much gas in their tank anymore would go get like an extended life in WCW. Fast forwarding to 1995, WCW had never beat WWF in what they called the ratings war. So WWF had a Monday night show, prime time, called Mm -hmm. WWF Monday Night Raw. It's still going on today, and they love to add the slogan that it's the longest syndicated television show Mm -hmm. in history. Eric Bischoff had a meeting with Ted Turner. Ted Turner asked him, put him on the spot, actually. He's like, what do you think we need to do to compete with Vince McMahon and the WWF? Um, It's a famous story. Uh, Bischoff kind of froze up, didn't really know what to say, and said, well, you know, we need to draw some of their audience, so you got to put us head to head. So Ted Turner looked at, uh, you know, his assistant or something and said, "Uh, give Eric Bischoff uh, two hours on TNT every Monday night starting at 8 o'clock. So it 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 literally became eight o'clock Monday night. You got one TV, you got one remote. Who you watching? Obviously, WCW had no legitimacy at the time, so everybody still watched WWF. But they slowly started to kind of creep up. 1995 hits. WCW manages to sign two very prominent WWF wrestlers. 
So WWF at the time, their the running joke was if there's an occupation out there, Vince McMahon has tried to make a wrestler out of it. <laughs> He's had garbage men. He's had hockey players. There was a wrestler named The Goon who mm. would come out to the ring in hockey pads That's and cool. just fight. Like everything. Some some occupations stuck like a like an undertaker, sure. <laughs> for example. But like others, it's like, come on now, like. A repo man was another one. A repo man. Yeah, yeah. He's a bad guy. He would come out and steal your shit. You know, it's just, <laughs> it was it was very like, oh my God. It was tough to watch. But I guess it just fit with the times. Yeah. Eric Bischoff coming more from TV and having a little bit more in touch to what society kind of wanted was like, you know, and this is before reality TV. So he was like, I'm going to give, you know, I'm going to let my characters use their real names. You're going to like go be who you really are. Because it's easier to do that than it is to pretend to be someone else. So, for example, you had a guy named Scott Hall. Okay? Now, Scott Hall got to the WWF and needed a character. He needed a character because Vistar Band asked him, like, hey, I heard your dad was in the army. And immediately he's like, oh, shit, this guy's going to turn me into some fucking, like, Marine, mm-hmm. whatever. I'm not a fucking Marine. I don't want to do that. So he needed a character. So he he went up to Vince McMahon and he's like, hey, have you ever seen the movie Scarface? Mm-hmm. And Vince was like, no, what are you talking about? So he fucking slicks his hair back. He puts a toothpick in his mouth. He starts talking with an accent like, hey, yo, Chico. Like, mm-hmm. you know, throws a toothpick at him. Like he's he's known as the bad guy. And he's like, okay, what's your name? He's like, my name is Razor. Razor Ramon? Exactly. So he tells him, he's like, you, what you need a... What the fuck is happening here? <laughs> See what I mean? Just Jeez. remembering names off, <laughs> off the top of her head. Jesus, Joe. He basically went into the bathroom and ran into another wrestler and was like, hey, I need a, a Spanish last name with an R. And he asked uh, Jimmy Superfly Snook or something. He's like, oh, Ramon. He's like, Razor Ramon. Perfect. Done. <laughs> this guy's not fucking Hispanic at all. <laughs> so it was just like the worst cuban accent you could think and mind you he i didn't even know this so at the time they didn't have like like facial hair was like neat you know you either had a mustache or a beard whatever he was the one that like consistently he's like no like just trim it don't ever shave it and just have like this 24 hour around the clock five o'clock shadow type deal like he kind of came up with that Hmm. just machismo like chest hair bulging out of your shirt all these gold chains yeah, she's putting this face, but it's like legitimate what you would think a guy from the '80s Chico in Miami would look like. It was this fucking guy who's still rocking that look today. You go down and see all those twenty-year-olds that used to have that look. They're yeah, now it's funny 60, how things come back, and uh, they're still rocking that look. So Scott Hall gets to WCW. Now at the time, WWF didn't do guaranteed contracts. So you know, Scott Hall's obviously like, yo, like I'm not one of your top guys, but I'm dependable. I'm a great I'm a great worker, great character, but it seems like, you know, I only get paid X amount of money. Like, I'd like to get more money. Oh, we don't have any more money going around. Oh, okay. Well, then do you mind if I take a meeting over here? WCW meets with him. They don't have talent. and They got a shit ton of money. So they're offering him a guaranteed contract, meaning minimum, this is how much you're going to make. And you're only going to work like 115 dates a year or some shit like that. Whatever it was. Mm-hmm. So it was it was it was more money guaranteed for less days of work. So Scott Hall was like, "What the fuck? Like I gotta jump on that shit." Mm-hmm. So he he leaves. He goes over to WCW, and this is where Eric Bischoff like really showed like how smart he is. It was we just got a new wrestler from WWF, right? 
We're not going to have him come out with the rest of the wrestlers. We're not going to show a commercial. We're not going to do anything. We're going to have a match in the ring. This guy's going to walk from the crowd with the regular people, jump the barricade, come in, not even fight the wrestlers, steal a mic and just start talking shit. So that's exactly what they did. Now, mind you, like you're watching at home and the audience, they're there. Like, you know who it is because you're familiar with who Razor Ramon Mm -hmm. is. You still allow him to speak in like a kind of a Spanish accent, but he never says his name. He never says anything. All he says is, you know who I am, but you don't know why I'm here. Cuts this promo about like, I'm here. You know, he keeps saying, we, we're here to take over. Uh, You know, this is a B show. Like the guys I got coming are the best, whatever. So he leaves and now the audience is like, is fucking WWF now taking over WCW? Hmm. Right, so now, now you have people actually watching WCW because they think WWF is going to show up. Right. And they're not watching WWF, so it's crazy. A week after that, he reveals that he has another guy coming. The other guy turns out to be this guy named Kevin Nash, who okay. was also a wrestler in WWF. Kind of the same deal. Kind of going nowhere, big guy. He comes over with Scott Hall. They're known as the Outsiders. I've heard of both those last two things. For sure. <laughs> Nothing else this episode, but <laughs> both those last two things. Kevin Nash and the Outsiders. Yeah. Kevin Nash and Scott Hall, known as the Outsiders, come over for the quote-unquote invasion of WCW. Hmm. Right? So this all commences with this uh, this event called Bash at the Beach. They say that they have a third guy coming. So there's going to be a third member. So now a lot of people are like, who the fuck else is leaving WWF coming over to WCW? Bash at the Beach actually was held on July 7th, 1996, right? And it wasn't until this storyline became popular that WCW won the ratings war for the very first time in history, which was on June 17th, 96. So think about that. Two weeks prior to this event is the first time they won the ratings war. Hmm. It became must-see TV. So I'm sure you guys don't know this, but (laughs) this is old news now, but... July 7th, 96, they have the three WCW guys, the guys that they've chosen to best represent WCW are Sting, Lex Luger, and the Macho Man Randy Savage. Mm-hmm. Right. So Sting at the time is different from the Sting that you know. <laughs> if I can give you his MO, he he had a flat top haircut. He used okay. to bleach his hair blonde. And his face paint was all different colors. Like he was he was a very colorful, mm-hmm. enigmatic character. So actually, there's there's two stings. There's there's well there's Sting the wrestler and then Sting the musician. Yeah. That, you know that song that every breath you take every that's that Sting. Every breath that's, you yeah. take. That's Sting and the Police. That's the name of their group. Huh. And it's funny because Sting the wrestler actually owns the name Sting, and he, I guess, leases it to the musician literally for a dollar a year. That's crazy. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah, so so Surfer Sting, as he was known at the time, um, started kind of letting his hair grow out. He stopped bleaching it. So his hair was black at the time, but he was still very, very colorful, very spoken. You know, he would talk a lot. He would beat on his chest and howl. And it was actually this event at, uh, it's called Bash at the Beach, um, July 1996. The match starts, and it's only Kevin Nash and Scott Hall in the ring versus three guys. So now it's a three-on-two. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people are like, oh, the third person never showed up. Match starts. WCW has a pretty good hand. Kevin Nash ends up a low-blowing macho man, 
behind the ref's back. So now the outsiders have the upper hand Mm -hmm. and people go nuts because it's like, okay, now you're cheating. Hulk Hogan hits the ring and red and yellow Hulkamania. People Mm -hmm. are cheering. The crowd's going, uh, the commentators are going nuts because he's here to save the day. He didn't like the fact that this guy just cheated. So he steps into the ring. He rips off his shirt. He looks like a million bucks. He stands against the ropes and he drops the famous Hogan led drop on his buddy, Macho Man Randy Savage, revealing that Hulk Hogan is now turned bad and is the third member of this outsider group. And it's at the very first time that he utters the words because then he gets on the mic afterwards. So the outsiders defeated Team WCW with the help of Hulk Hogan. Gene Okerlund gets in the ring. Obviously, you want to interview him. What the fuck was that about? What's going on? And mind you, like, and I'm not exaggerating. You can go back and watch it. The ring is full of trash. People are throwing shit. People are throwing shit. They're that upset. Wrestling fans are. No, it was fucking. It's not what you see today. Wrestling fans put uh, Philadelphia fans to shame. Wrestling is huge in Philadelphia. Or or those Canadians that flipped over cop cars. Oh, and New York. Anyways, um, yeah, the ring is full of trash. He even makes it a point to say, look look at all the filth in the ring. Like, that's that's a representation of your actions. And Hulk Hogan basically, so many ways, say, for years I told you, you know, take your vitamins and say your prayers and and this and that. and, And I was doing all that for the money and fuck that and... And with these two guys, we're here to take over. He points at them and says, you can call this the new world order of wrestling. And oh, he's, he's the first one to off. It was, he was the first one to say it. Ooh. So the next night on WCW Monday Nitro, you know, it's it's again, it's now it's it's these guys and it's it's a different presentation. You think of a wrestling show that starts off and oh, music hits. You got some pyro there in the ring. Somebody's talking or there's a match. The show starts there in the back parking lot, and these guys are now walking in. This is the first time you got to see Hulk Hogan wearing, like, all black. No more <laughs> red and yellow, none of that shit. He's he's grown out, like, a black beard. He used to have, like, the, the blonde handlebar mustache. Right. So now he still has it, but with a black beard underneath. Like looks like that. It just gave him, like, uh, a yeah. different look, like a sinister look. <laughs> I absolutely loved Hulk Hogan as a bad guy. He was the coolest bad guy ever. The whole ploy was Eric Bischoff really wanted this WWF versus WCW war, but he couldn't do it. They, WWF actually tried to sue him when the Outsiders first came by them saying, like, you know who we are. He basically decided, okay, I'm going to create my own company. I'm going to have company A versus company B. Even on all their all their shows, all their pay-per-views, it was now, you know... WCW slash NWO present Bash at the Beach. It wasn't just WCW. So it was like he was real smart in what he was trying to do. One of the things that occurred in this storyline was NWO is now trying to recruit members over to their side. From WCW? From WCW. Okay. From everyone. Because then you started seeing a lot of ex-WWF guys popping up as members of the NWO. Uh, WCW guys will then, you know, jump ship put on an NWO t-shirt. Now they become members of the NWO. That's why I laugh because she was just like, oh, the four life thing. She's like, is that one guy? And I kind of laugh because the running joke is like NWO at one point had like freaking 30 people in that thing. Hmm. So hell no, it's not just one guy. But one of the guys that they tried heavily to recruit was Sting. 
and they couldn't. Sting didn't want anything to do with it. But because Sting looked the way that he did, what they did was they hired another guy that looked like him to put on face paint and come out and attack WCW guys, giving the illusion that he had joined the NWO. So now some of his friends in WCW questioned his loyalty. To the fans, did it look like Sting? It did. It did? Yeah. You couldn't tell. He's wearing face paint and stuff like you. Okay. Yeah, you really couldn't tell. Uh, So there was an event called War Games where uh, Sting had come out and started fighting guys from WCW. And then a few minutes after that, the real Sting came out and then attacked everyone. Everyone. Well, include like the NWO guys, the right. the fake Sting. Yeah. And when the WCW, WCW guys tried to rally behind him, he looked at them and said, "Nah, fuck you guys. You didn't right. trust me. My word wasn't good enough. I'm out. And left. The next night, he came out and basically said, like, I'm declaring myself a free agent. I'm not NWO. I'm not WCW. Mm-hmm. And that's the last time he spoke in a ring for a year and a half. Damn. So this is like when it gets like really good. This was my favorite period. So that's what I just showed you right there. So now I am that clip was from I want to say June of 97, something like that. The clip that we saw downstairs. I'll break that down now. So I am I've told this story a bunch of times, too. I'm 10 years old. As she can tell you now, I can't just lay there and just go to sleep. (laughs) I got to watch TV. I got you know, I got to do something. So this was a constant war in my house. Go to bed, go to bed. I'm there talking to my brother. We shared a room at the time. Within about five seconds, that motherfucker's sleeping. <laughs> I don't know how he does it. So I get slick, and I'm like, fuck it. I'm going to get up and go watch TV. I can't can't sleep. So I sneak into the living room. I turn on the TV. The first thing I just happened to turn to was... A familiar face sitting in a wrestling ring or boxing ring. It was a ring, so it was clearly a sporting event, and it was the macho man Randy Savage. Mm. Now, I knew him from, like, the Slim Jim commercials and stuff like that. (laughs) Yeah, I'm like, you know, you know who the macho man is. So it was like, oh, cool. Like, I know this guy. There's a ring. This is going to be cool. Um, A wrestler hits the ring. Macho man, like, hits him. He gets out. So I'm like, okay, this is not, like... You know, again, it's like I, I've seen like matches and stuff. Like this isn't a match. Like this is real. Yeah. This is a guy hijacking the show, saying this show's not starting until I get what I want. Right. And then all of, and you know, all of a sudden now this fucking guy comes flying from the ceiling of an arena of like what, like a three story tall arena. You know, comes like rappelling down, mm-hmm. doesn't say a word, dressed in all black. His face is painted white. He's got this bat. He comes, he does the, he, again, doesn't say a word. I am terrified, <laughs> scared. I immediately turn the TV off. I run into my room and I'm laying there because we had bunk beds. So I'm mm-hmm. on the bottom bunk. Danny sleeping on top. I couldn't sleep because I'm there and I'm like, he's coming to get me. <laughs> he's repelling from Oh my God. They, <laughs> yeah, because it's like he could fly. <laughs> Right? So I'm there like if if I I know the minute I close my eyes, if I open them, he's going to be looking from the top bunk down at me and I can't allow him to do that. So like, of course, I didn't sleep that night. So the next day, you know, as a kid, you're drawn to what you're afraid of. So I was just like, I have to 
look up what the fuck this was. Classic I, Batman situation. Right, basically. I also don't think that's every kid. I don't think Thomas would ever go through that. <laughs> like, I'm going to go I, find I was, out more I about that I was confronted thing. by my fear every day because I still lived with Joe. Joe was the thing that terrified me the most. Well. You want a hug? <laughs> no, but I was thinking oh. when he said he didn't go to sleep that night, his dad probably hugged him around the neck the next morning. Oh, shit. I didn't live. No, I, I was at my mom's mom. house. <laughs> yeah, I, was, I didn't live with my dad. No. Yeah, so I was at my mom's house. She was dead ass, knocked out, asleep. So it was, you know. So yeah, so I tuned in the next week and, you know, I, I got familiar with what this was. And I actually took a liking to it to the point that I went to school because I was in fifth grade, I want to say, elementary school. And I told my friends, like, hey, there's this show. It's 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 wrestling. Like, on TNT, it starts at 8 o'clock. Put it on. Watch it. There's this guy. He's fucking dressed in all black. Like, he could fly. Like, shit's crazy. And all of a sudden now, like, I don't want to take credit like, as if it was just me. But, like, everyone in my school is now watching wrestling. But it's one of those things where it's like, nobody told me to do it. I'm right. the one that told other people. So it's like, am I responsible for this? I don't know. <laughs> but maybe. But... So, which I guess that's that's the reason why I'm still a fan because I found it on my own. I took a liking to it. It wasn't just an interest that somebody put on me and then, you know, that's that. Fast forwarding to this, to getting behind the scenes now. It was June 17th, 1996. WCW defeated Monday Night Raw, WWF, in the ratings war for 83 consistent weeks. Damn. That was impressive. So now, on the flip side of that, WWF is like, fuck, what are we going to do? Right. Look at this real storyline that they have going on. And, like, this shit is insane. And Vince McMahon is, I'm sure, looking at his roster. is like, uh, I got a garbage man. I got a, <laughs> I got a corrections officer. <laughs> you know, I got this, this dead guy over here. Like, what the fuck does he do? You know what I mean? Like, so he... He had to now adapt to more real, consistent storylines himself. Right. So what is like, think of the times you're talking about the mid to late 90s. Mm-hmm. What are you laughing at? She knows what you're going to the middle clue. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> How does she know this shit? She's such a wrestling because fan. Because I have oh. a story like his last such one a wrestling too. Fan. I hate the connection that you two have. That's how I feel about you and Lizzie. Every time we start dancing, oh, yeah, I'm like, true. what the fuck is happening? I just happening like to dance, baby. Right just like now. Kevin Bacon in that one Ew. movie. Footloose. Sure. Yeah. That Kevin Bacon only dances in Footloose. That's it? Pretty sure. Great dancer. You should dance more. <laughs> okay. Continue. Back to wrestling. <laughs> so, yes, Vince McMahon is like, hmm, what is one thing that everyone in America can relate to? Oh, that's right. Hating your boss. Absolutely. Doing, like, how would you feel if you could walk into your boss's office, give him the fucking middle finger to the face, kick him in the nuts, and say, fuck you, and just walk out and with no repercussions? Beer. And drink a beer. <laughs> you don't know until you try. So, <laughs> listeners, don't don't try that. Listeners, <laughs> when we get back to work, yeah, kick your boss in the nuts. <laughs> then write in. Let us know how it was. So again, this stems from a a realistic uh, view where a gentleman by the name of Steve Williams, who worked in WCW at the time in a tag team. He had gotten hurt. WCW obviously was hemorrhaging money. So they decided, hey, we're just going to release you from your contract. So Steve Williams, sitting on the shelf, gets a fax from WCW saying, hey, you're released from your contract. A fax. Fax. Right. Those are still around, aren't they? <laughs> yeah. All right. I, guess. I was going to say. So, so Steve gets a call 
from a gentleman named Paul Heyman. Paul Heyman is famous for running a kind of renegade independent wrestling promotion called ECW. Jesus, another Based word. out of Philadelphia. Okay. Now, ECW is fucking crazy. Like, they were literally, like, they, they took hardcore to the extreme. Mm-hmm. So, he tells them, you know, oh, I would love to, but, you know, I just had neck surgery. Like, I can't wrestle. So, Paul Heyman is like, okay, well, just come and cut promos. You know, Paul Heyman really saw, like, the benefit in just putting a mic in front of somebody and saying, just, just go. Just talk about whatever you want to talk about. So, Steve Williams changed his name to Steve Austin. He's he's sitting in front of this mic, and you know it was he was struggling at first, and then uh, Paul Heyman tells him like just just close your eyes and just say what you feel. Obviously, the guy had a lot of fucking anger <laughs> built up, especially at WCW and the fact that no other wrestling promotion really wanted him, so he just fucking went off. It was another guy named Bret Hart who's a famous mm-hmm. wrestler yep. took that to Vince McMahon and said you need to fucking sign this guy like ASAP because I could work with this guy. So a few months after that, Steve Austin finds himself signed by the WWF. Has a great match with with Bret Hart, and it was at this point where Vince McMahon is like, okay, like he you know he's got something. He's different than everybody else. He's very he's very outspoken. He's brash. Like you know, we have a bunch of pretty boys with long hair, and and this guy's walking around with a fucking bald head and a goatee mm-hmm. and middle fingers and. <laughs> This really commenced at this huge event at WrestleMania where they just brought in Mike Tyson to be the special enforcer. And first night, Mike Tyson was the most popular athlete at the time. Uh, Steve Austin gets in the ring with Mike Tyson and he shoves him, pushes him. Mike Tyson, his you know entourage tries to jump on him. Mayhem ensues. Now all of a sudden, WWF has this realistic storyline that they keep seeing on their competitor screens. So, Survivor Series 96, Steve Austin is wrestling in this tournament style uh, where he goes up against, in the finals, um, a guy named Jake the Snake Roberts. Now, Steve Austin, uh, something happened. He had to go to the hospital pretty much, so he had left the arena. Jake the Snake cuts a promo on Steve Austin where he, he, he says something religious intended, something about like your John three sixteen or something, mm-hmm. something, whatever. I don't even know what John three sixteen says. So as Steve Austin is being driven back to the arena, it's his turn to cut a promo. And um, one of the producers is basically just filling him in quickly on what Jake the Snake said so that he can know how to react to it. And for whatever reason, that stuck. Oh, he said something about John three sixteen something. And Steve also kind of looked at him and was like, the fuck? Like, okay, fine. So he's just there talking. And this is why I tell her it's like this was magic because you'll never be able to create this from scratch. Mm -hmm. Nowadays, everything is scripted and they want you to follow like a certain guideline. It's so amazing when you just put a mic in front of somebody and just say like, yo, tell us how you feel. Because he starts talking and shaking his head and doing all this. And he utters the phrase, talk about your John 316s. Austin 316 says, I'm going to whoop your ass. <laughs> and the fucking next night is just a sea of signs of That's people a... writing Austin 316. Yeah. And 
you would have you would have thought it was an actual Bible verse, the way like people took a liking to this. So now you have Sting versus the NWO on WCW, and Stone Cold Steve Austin versus Vince McMahon on WWF, mm-hmm. and it made for must see TV. So I'm gonna throw some numbers at you guys because I'm sure you guys are like, ah, oh, this guy's just a fan. Like it wasn't that popular in today's climate. Monday Night Raw which is the longest syndicated TV show, whatever, will be lucky to do 2 million views. Like in the Nissan okay. uh, TV ratings, right. like a 2 point something means like 2 point something million people viewed in to watch this, okay. right? AEW, for as fantastic as it is, has only broken a million views once. Hmm. I picked a date, just a random date, which was kind of a wink at Joe. Hmm. 420... 1998, right? All right, settle down. WWF does a rating of 4.4. Damn. On a random night. WCW does a rating of 5.1. On a random night. Random night. That means you had 9 million people watching wrestling. Yeah, like that that shit was, was out of hand. At this point, you know, you have... Guys like The Undertaker are doing their thing. Uh, she mentioned a streak earlier. Goldberg was a wrestler that was introduced in WCW, another like homegrown talent type guy. Um, his streak was, I think he was like 176 and 0, like undefeated. Uh, like things like that. Like a lot of things stick out. The reason why I say like, I think it. It goes hand in hand with society and where we were and kind of where we are now is because the 90s, man, if you think of TV, like the late 90s specifically, you go back and watch some of those like WWF Monday Night Raws, they don't age well. Vince McMahon was interviewed and it was just like, how can you produce stuff like that on your television show? Like, I'm never letting my kids watch that again. You have porn stars. You have you have a bra and panties match where two women are fighting where the point of the match is whoever can strip the under one, the other their opponent down to their bra and panties first wins. This is on TV? Oh yeah, live TV. This is on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> Thomas. <laughs> It's on the uh, WWE Network for uh, $9.99 where I can just provide you my yeah, uh, password. Uh, you all are going to need to give me an alibi for <laughs> why I'm here for two hours longer than what I told my wife. So, have you ever heard of puppies? <laughs> See, she's, she's listen, closet over here, closet wrestler. Tell me about puppies. It became a thing, like puppies was boobs. Oh. Like big boobs and uh, Jerry the King Lawler on commentary would be like, oh my, like look at those puppies, you know. Puppies. <laughs> I I want to say ninety percent of all the stupid pickup lines or jokes that that I know mm-hmm. came from that. You know, a woman would kind of take off her clothes and she'd just be in her underwear, and he would utter like, oh my god, all those curves and me with no breaks, like just, <laughs> just. <laughs> <laughs> just ridiculousness, oh, but it was great. just it was entertaining. At the end of the day, uh shows like the Jerry Springer show were mm-hmm. popular shit on TV. And they yeah. you know, you can't those shows like that won't last in today's climate, but back then in the nineties, yeah, man, that was it. And WWF was basically just Jerry Springer on crack. <laughs> so I mean Jerry was probably on crack. I'm sure <laughs> sure he was. But uh yeah, man, so this this famous uh, Sting versus the NWO storyline commenced at 
uh, one of the biggest pay-per-view buys in history, all history, not just mm-hmm. at the time. Starcade 1997, December. The main event is going to be Sting versus Hulk Hogan for the WCW Heavyweight Championship. And it does over 625,000 pay-per-view buys. Damn. How much was pay-per-view at that time? <laughs> Just in buys alone, WCW made $18 million. Yeah. So you can imagine. <laughs> like, yeah, I, that doesn't mean it was all profit, but the fuck? You put on an event that you bring in $18 million? Yeah. I think you're doing pretty fucking good. It was, uh, it was a time, to say the least. So I want to turn it over to you guys now because I can go on about this forever. And I have a million and one stories about this particular generation, for lack of a pun. But uh, is there anything that you guys remember from this era? Though? I know like you guys are familiar with it. Like you guys know who The Undertaker is. Uh, yes. See, because I only knew one of them. I only knew whatever channel was on and it was WWE. WWE? This is a famous saying throughout history, not just wrestling, but that's that history is written by the winners. Mm -hmm. So to fast forward to 2001 WCW, because they weren't a wrestling company, they were just an entertainment company, started making a lot of mistakes. WCW or WWF had had kind of a, a better product in the long run. So a lot of fans tended to gravitate towards WWF. Mm-hmm. Um, WCW actually closed its doors in 2001, where they sold their wrestling to the WWF. So Vince McMahon actually purchased WCW. Mm-hmm. Now, a lot of people at the time felt like, that's it, it's over, and that's a bad thing. But in reality, like look at today. Look at what we can do. Look at accessibility. The fact that he owns the WCW library means I could just log in and watch every single WCW match whenever I want. So everything that I'm telling you, we can actually go and watch. So and you were only familiar with the WWF product. So I, yeah, because I only knew at that time, and I wouldn't watch regularly. Um, I only knew like Stone Cold. I have the vivid image of Stone Cold and, and the beers and stuff. Um, if that was in that time in the 90s. And of then course. is this when uh, Undertaker was resurrected or Kane was resurrected? Joe, what about you? Um. Well, no, I was going to say for anyone who clicked on this link because of the WCW thinking it's Woman Crush Wednesday. China, China. was one of the only female wrestlers I, I remember, know. and she was... You need China. to put down the yeah. agenda for one day, China. No. My <laughs> other story stopped. is going to be great, but I just wanted to point that out, because, you know, whatever. I won't call it super funny, but my only story with wrestling was uh, how you think you started it in your school. I got a bunch of kids, mainly boys, to go <laughs> wrestle outside of the school. I think it was after school kicked their ass and kept putting them in little chokeholds and then we had a big wrestling match in the back of the school by the portables and then we got in trouble you were putting them in chokeholds yeah joe i'm be honest here <laughs> i think they were letting you no these weren't those kind of kids oh. they were losers <laughs> well, i definitely think they were letting you then <laughs> oh, no. i remember one more wrestler rashiki rafiki oh my god <laughs> which rikishi. one is she rakishi you know who his uh his nephew is who did nephew? Some shitty ass current wrestler named Roman Reigns today. That's his nephew. Yeah, you know all those Samoans are related. Speaking oh, of Samoans, Segway. Oh Here man! Here it comes. You see her? See her reaction? That's that connection that you don't like. 
Do you? A little bit of a eyebrow raising, pie eating. If you smell what he's cooking, The Rock. Oh, the Dwayne Johnson. Dwayne the Johnson Rock. Holy <laughs> shit! How about him, Joe? I still hate that guy. So. Imagine well, this. Imagine in a world that you live in today where everything is scripted, not letting that guy talk freely. Fuck no. It would never work. Yeah. He would he wouldn't have another he wouldn't have an acting career right now if he couldn't just do his thing. Uh, yeah, that's yeah? probably true. I like him better. As so an because actor. of him, uh what's what's the dictionary? Whatever fucking the committee that determines words? Webster's. Yeah. Sure. No, yeah, Webster's yeah. Dictionary coined the term SmackDown in 1999 into the dictionary. Damn. Because he would say it so often. SmackDown. I don't think that's impressive. They also coined <sighs> Bootylicious. And oh, I think geez. that's a yeah. horrible, horrible thing. Because hers was too Bootylicious for you, oh, babe. God. She didn't <laughs> think you were ready for all that jelly. Um, and nope. we were not. I hated The Rock because it was like The Rock or Stone Cold. And I like Stone Cold. So... Behind the curtain, the fact that she hates The Rock means that's how good he was at his job. Oh, yeah, for sure. I don't think you were really supposed to like Stone Cold either, though. Okay, so I haven't touched on this yet, but I was going to. When you, like, the NWO fighting against certain guys, the NWO was was supposed to be the bad guys. But they're so cool that people like them. Stone Cold was Venom. Stone Cold's the anti-hero. He's doing things that... A bad guy would do. But because he has a code, again, society at the time was very rebellious. We liked that. We liked the bad guy. We were bad people. Yeah, but I don't think that changes. He was bad. And it does today. To. I mean, think about this for a minute. You went from your top guy. You're the face of your promotion is a bald, goatee-wearing, beer-swelling, cursing, middle-finger-raising guy. And you went from that to John Cena. You don't think we've changed as a society? So we haven't gotten into it yet. Yeah, I was going to say, we had this conversation, her and I, like very early on in our relationship. She's a DX girl. That's where the whole China thing comes from. And she liked Shawn Michaels and Triple H. And she was a DX girl and I was an NWO guy. So it doesn't really work out. When when did uh, they come around? DX? Yeah. 96, 97. 96, 97? Mm-hmm. Oh, that was one of the most Everything day. occurred from the years 1996 through late 1998. Those two years, everything was born. And they had that gesture from, from the very beginning, that suck it gesture. So again, we're talking about it became like, hey, this is your job. This is your script. Go to fuck it. You know, Triple H, uh, Shawn Michaels were real like best friends in real life and everything that you would see them do on tv was shit that they always did to each other behind the scenes but that you just didn't know that that's really who they are and it wasn't until this time that they were like you know what like these guys are fucking entertaining let's just let them be them when the rock first started in the wwf his name was rocky mayavia because he was his his grandfather is is peter mayavia so it was like, okay, you are your grandfather's grandson. You know, you're Samoan, so we're going to dress you in all this blue, like, gear. You're going to have these this curly hair. You're going to be, you're, you know, even though you lose, you're going to cut a promo saying that you're just happy to be there. Hmm. People would boo the fuck out of him. Yeah. They hated him. And it took him going to them like, guys, like, I fucking played football for the U in Miami. Like, this isn't who the fuck I am. Mm -hmm. I'm an arrogant, cocky, 
motherfucker. Like, let me just be that. That's the guy that you know today. That's the yeah. one I hate. Yeah, so over this 83-week uh, period, or over the, the not just the 83 weeks, because WCW won 83 consecutive weeks, but mm-hmm. over the uh, September 4th, 1995 through March 26, 2001, which was the last Monday that WCW aired, WWF won a total of 155 nights, WCW won 112 nights, and four of those nights it was a tie. So at the end of the day, WWF prevailed. They had the the more consistent product. They had longevity, and WCW unfortunately uh, Turner ended up merging with AOL. People at at Turner loved the success that it brought, but absolutely hated that they had to say that their number one show was a wrestling show. It is what it is. But I think they've they've since learned their lesson because fast forwarding to today, twenty twenty. AEW's on the rise. TNT stepped in, signed them to a three-year deal. So you're gonna see, be, you're gonna be able to see a whole lot of wrestling for the next couple of years. Is it gonna be as big of a what do you call it, like a battle on the Monday night? WWE has been kind of stagnant for a while, um, and that's really just because they don't have any competition. So at the end of the day, if you don't want to watch their product, it's not like you can change and go watch something else. Mm-hmm. You just turn off the TV. So people still tune in. It is is what it is. One of the things that they've started doing was, um, it's called NXT, which is their, like, class that they bring in to kind of build them up. So if you're, like, a new wrestler, they put you in NXT. It's like a D-League or G-League, whatever they call it. So because it's still wrestling-centric and they let Triple H run it, um, they weren't worried so much about you're on TV and storylines. So they're they're really just focused on, like, like, can you wrestle and having good matches. Yeah. And that quickly became like a much better product than the, what they would put on the big networks on Monday or Friday nights. So when AEW announced that they were going to be airing on TNT at 8 o'clock on Wednesdays, WWE made the decision to start airing NXT on USA Network at 8 o'clock on Wednesdays as well. So yeah, man, um, that's basically my report start to finish on the Monday Night Wars in the 90s. They're not paying us at all. So if, especially now with this uh, supposed quarantine coming up, mm-hmm. if you're feeling it, I'd invest the nine ninety nine to download the WWE Network where you can get not only WWE slash F uh, products, but WCW. They even have old school like AWA. There's a bunch of documentaries that have like this, this storytelling, this literature. Um, it's pretty fascinating. I mean, there's still a huge market out there for it. So yeah, man, check it out. I don't want to get you on a tangent because we did really good on time today, but mm-hmm. you still didn't well mention any female wrestlers. Why am I the only one bringing it up? Yeah, I, only, whatever. I only remember China. China was the only legitimate kind of badass that would would yeah. believably beat up on people, but mm-hmm. the women in wrestling in the nineties were, were strippers. Just the, yeah. It was Triple H and Shawn Michaels that ran into her like in like a lobby of a hotel or some shit. Mm-hmm. And mentioned she mentioned to them that she wanted to break in and blah blah blah. And Triple H was just like again, like kind of the the mind that he is was like, What a bad guy quality where my quote unquote bodyguard it's gonna be a fucking woman right who, because who is this triple h and who was the other wrestler Shawn michaels no the female china bodyguard. china okay this is, yeah this is about china okay and they pitched it to Vince McMahon, who immediately was like absolutely fucking not she's <laughs> a woman like there's no way and he's like yeah that's the point 
shows them what he knows because now you know years later it's like what a fucking genius <laughs> idea china man china was china was like she would stand there and kind of do nothing while the other two acted like fucking buffoons mm-hmm. and it was just hilarious <laughs> anyways uh let's do some quick listener shout outs from our last episode which was joe's report on the external files what is what does x stand for oh extraterrestrial never mind Shut the fuck up. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. All right. Shout out to some listeners on the last episode. Let's see. Our top country was the United States, of course. Canada coming in second there. 65 downloads so far. 65 listens. So let's read out these twos right here. Montgomery, Alabama. Tampa, Florida again. Damn. Colorado Springs. I'm telling you. Colorado Springs. Email us. Clayton, North Carolina. Lawrenceville, Georgia. And North Vancouver. British Columbia. Mm. Hello. And then Baden 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 Wurdenberg. Do you want to shout out anybody, Joe? I don't know about shout out, but I would say that our closest guesser this time, so I think she's gonna get it, is Miss Brittany Perez. She said nothing on the first clue. So that one just screwed everybody. Thank you. On the second clue, she first said he man, but then changed it because i guess she actually read what we wrote and said oh wait this is david's i figured it out then that's stone cold steve austin Ooh, image Um, search cheater and then (laughs) on the third clue she wrote twice again she put now i think it's wwf and then she wrote again saying actually i guess wwe (laughs) so she was there (laughs) well congratulations Brittany. we're gonna send you do we already send her a sticker no all right, then we're going to send you some stickers. Well, that is going to do it if that's it for the listener shout-outs. Thank you all so much for listening and supporting the show. To continue to support and get more content from us, you can become a patron of the show on patreon.com, where for as little as $1 a month, you can get access to uncut episodes, access to listener polls based on our episodes or for future episodes, or you can recommend one of our next topics by entering what you want to hear about in our 90s hat. Uh, If you wanted to do that, you can go to patreon.com slash we the 90s one more way you can support this show is by leaving us a good review if you listen to us on apple Podcasts. Uh, this helps uh, attract new listeners looking to relive the 90s just like you do you can reach out to us on social media on instagram we are at we underscore the 90s twitter we are at we underscore 90s and then on facebook we comma the 90s if you wanted to email us, you can email us at we the 90s.podcast at gmail.com. Thanks again for listening, and we will be back with our next episode potentially on March 31st, uh, potentially on April 7th. So, be, so we have the opportunity to put some more episodes out and give you all some more content that you can listen to um, while we're all spending a little less time doing the other things we do in life. So, Just be on the lookout, follow us on social media, and we will let you know when the next one comes out. And if not, just put us on automatic download, baby, and you'll get it when you fucking get it. Well, in uh, true fashion of D-Generation X, suck it. Peace out.